and thanks for listening. This is Most Certainly True, a podcast of Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee. God's grace is for you, and if you're in the Milwaukee area, we'd love to get to know you. Please visit www.gracedowntown.org to contact us, find out about worship times, or learn more about what we're up to in Milwaukee. That's www.gracedowntown.org. everybody. It's time for another podcast with uh, Pastor Bondo and Pastor Hebner here. We are continuing our Bible reading challenge and another look at a beautiful book. They're all beautiful books in their own right, of course. Sure it's our. It's not just our job to say that. It's our privilege to say <laughs> that. We are going to enjoy another day of God's grace by looking at this book with you. And um, the book of Deuteronomy, but we're not going to get into it quite yet, but this is the end of the first five books of Moses. Yes. And I think we missed a book of numbers, but that's okay. We'll come back to that at some point. Some point. But otherwise, we've gotten to podcast through the Pentateuch a little bit together. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. It would be really fun to toss numbers in there somewhere along the line. or We will. We will. For sure. It sets the stage, in a way, for the book of Deuteronomy. Yeah. That's okay. We'll refer to it as we go today. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Our Bible readers survived somehow, and, <laughs> and uh, they got through numbers on their own. I think, I think <laughs> as we talk about Deuteronomy, we're, we're going to have to you know, kick back and just talk a little bit about... Yeah. Because there's, there's stuff that you have to reference, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, before <laughs> we get into the book, sure. um, relaxed conversation about where we are right now, it's, it's December something. It's still <laughs> Advent. I had another midweek today. Thanks for the sermon. You're most welcome. Um, now people know what day we recorded this. It's, it's <laughs> Wednesday, December 19th. And uh, yeah. boy, we've got a couple days before the big Christmas week and everything. I just can't wait. Well, the way this goes, you know how this is for us in our office. Everybody... At Grace, everybody around the globe, you know, we're all looking forward to and anticipating Christmas. But, you know, in our heads, we're already beginning to think, what's Lent going to be like? And, you know, <laughs> it never I ends. To, I start thinking about the Lenten series and got to start thinking page. about where, where Easter's, what, when that date falls, when is Ash Wednesday? You know, you have to run it at 100 miles an hour. Because in planning, I mean, finally, you have to, right? Yeah. I mean, you're looking at your Bible class series yeah. for yeah. 2019, and we're looking at, yeah. Hopefully installing a new pastor somewhere in 2019, yeah. hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. So that's all in our prayers and on our hearts. But let's get back and focus right here. We are Advent almost ready to wrap that season up. Wasn't last year unique, though? That was one of the funniest and most. It happened before in my ministry. But to wrap up the fourth Sunday of Advent on December 24. Oh, in the morning. Our, in the morning. And it's like, what is the cutoff? Mm-hmm. Is it noon? Is it twelve oh one? Is it twelve thirty? When <laughs> it's is it? Christmas but, you know, Eve now. <laughs> yeah, as soon as, as soon as it's done, the blue pyramids come off mm-hmm. Sunday morning worship, and Bing, the white pair, and suddenly it's Christmas Eve and the white pyramids, and it's like we're in a different season of the church year. We yeah. ended it. When when was that transition? You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's probably like the Israelites back then trying to find the vernal equinox and the autumnal <laughs> equinox when they're looking at, you know, third week of March and third week of September going, when is the sun and daylight, this, you know, and the shadows the same? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they were trying to guess. Yeah. 
<laughs> made for some fun greeting with members to be like, happy Advent for, you know, how you to see you Christmas right. Eve. I'll see you Christmas Eve. Yeah. It's not the Eve That's yet, right. you know, evening is Eve. Yeah, you can't maybe... say Merry Christmas yeah. Eve or something until yeah. after lunch or oh, something. Man. <laughs> I know. We had, that, that was kind of a nutty so Nutty you know this out. this this is different this year. So now we get the thrill of our worship on Sunday, and then uh, mm-hmm. rolling into Monday with its three services and Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Although it was kind of fun on this last Monday night, we had our after lessons and carols Monday worship, and our seminary student assistant is preaching. He did a very fine job, and he had a he had a wonderful message for us from uh, the Old Testament too. And uh, at any rate. At the end of the service, you could invite people from Monday night, keep up your Monday night worship schedule if you are a Monday night regularly, <laughs> because you're going to be showing up. It's Christmas Eve, then the it's next good. week it's New Year's Eve, and it's also at 6.30. So yeah. you might, you know. Yeah. Keep your routine <laughs> going. Keep your routine going. That's right. That's good. That's good. Well, cool. Let's um, let's move into the book a little bit then. Uh-huh. I mean, so you get to the end of this, and we know that this is the last book of Moses. Um, the book of Deuteronomy, and we have its title. It's a little somewhat helpful. Why don't you go into Although, that a little bit, and just for um, our Bible readers, they mostly, I'm sure, would know. But just a good review. Go ahead. Yeah, don't you talk just about his title? Love other languages that that format <laughs> these titles so that in English we still really don't right. have a clue. But, right. Well, if I'm a Hebrew and I yeah. don't speak Hebrew, I got to have it in Greek because of the yeah. Greek culture around right. me. So what is this going to come out to? So it's it's, it's the second. The second law. It's like a rereading. A rereading. Second giving. Regiving, second giving. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you had Exodus twenty, you're Mount Sinai with Moses, and then you go through the desert and all these people die of the generation because of their rebellion. Yeah. And so now we we come back and we're on the doorstep of the promised land and you've got the rereading um with Moses there, the reestablishment of this covenant. Mm-hmm. Um given to the people. Yep. The law the second time. The second, second time, time law. Deuteronomy. Let's do this again. Let's do that. Say it again, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know when I when I think about Deuteronomy, I I don't want to. I mean, because it's just such a rich and enjoyable. But I have to be honest. I I don't I don't think that the book of Deuteronomy would have, in my earlier days. <laughs> all of my days are earlier days. <laughs> uh, I mean, when I was yesterday. You know, yeah, yeah, younger and. Even beginning in ministry, I I couldn't list Deuteronomy as one of my favorites. I guess you know, I just mm. one of those books where I got to and you know you start reading it, and if you don't have enough of a sense of where it's fit into the Holy Scriptures, where it fits in God's plan of salvation, where it fits with the Israelites and the tone of it, which I want to talk about a little bit. If you don't have a sense of that, it's like, well, I heard this before, mm. you know, and it's like, mm. well, let's get over it, you know, whatever. But once you spend more time and read it again and then again and Deuteronomy again and again, a second time, a third time, all of a sudden its richness starts to strike home and you begin to fall in love with a Bible book like Deuteronomy. It's really interesting. And I, to me, I'm, I'm rolling a little bit here. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Talk a little bit yeah, about say this. Yeah, say this next thought. Again. Yeah, I just, you know, I love what you said because, yes, we're at the end of the we're at the end of the Pentateuch, the five books, the Torah. And th- that's that's not enough. There's more to it to be said, right? To be understanding it. And so I always have to go back and I have to think to myself, to appreciate Deuteronomy, its actual setting, what really is going on. In a, in a short way, I think, in a short way, the way I've often summarized it, it just as a quick line, is this is Moses' swan song sermon. Yeah. And now 
that leads me into thinking a little bit. Of, it's it's not it's not the kind of it's not the kind of Bible book that easily can be organized just by Genesis. You know, the God gives us the ten. Mm-hmm. This is the account of or like Exodus. Well, there's a first and a second half, and you know, Leviticus has three parts. You know, it's it's not Numbers has the three chunks to it too, and but um, Deuteronomy is not that outlineable because it is it is a sermon that it has structure, mm-hmm. but it's it's really a different, completely different style. Some people would would say that it does have some structure related to the ancient covenants that were established between let's say a king or a ruler and his people. Yeah. I guess I can see that. I don't I don't mind that. I don't as as maybe mm-hmm. people looking at the book of Deuteronomy with that structure in mind. Mm-hmm. But for me the big deal is how it fits with the others, especially where we're at in the life and career of Moses because this is his final sermon. Mm-hmm. And here you got a guy right who for 40 years has his training in Egypt to learn about administration and military life and leadership and all this cool stuff about Egyptian culture and everything else that's going to be make him the leader he needs to be. But he's still got his own headstrong approach to things. So God has to take 40 years and teach him humility. Mm-hmm. Well, that gets pretty much driven into his mindset and his heart for 40 years out in the Sinai area. But now at age 80, he's come back to be this leader. And the the big deal, of course, the miracle of getting God's rescue to get out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. But imagine Moses, you know, and what he had to do and put up with. And this is my reference now back to the book of Numbers, right? Because we're not doing a podcast on Numbers, but if we had, there's mm-hmm. some references to Deuteronomy. We have to so here's Moses living through this journey, which is in the book of Numbers, from Mount Sinai, from Horeb, to the Promised Land. And he just gets flack and watches these people who are virtual heathen pagans coming out. You know, they, mm-hmm. He has to introduce them to the true God. Mm-hmm. You know, who is this God? I am who I am and all that. And the God of free and compassionate love and grace and stuff. And then all of God's... Uh, Covenant, his his special relationship with that nation. Um, he gets that sight now. That now they're traveling, right? And right away, there's rebellion, there's complaining, there's whining, and by the time you get to the border of the promised land, and they check it out with the spies and stuff, then you have this total rebellion. No, we're not going to end. And then God drops the hammer. Okay, mm-hmm. everybody over age twenty is going to die. Mm-hmm. So, to get into Deuteronomy, you have to have that in the back of your head. And what Moses is feeling like and thinking as he's putting up with these, do you do you think about this thing? Have you thought about this? Uh, and I, I don't know if our readers have, but in numbers we're told that they counted, right, like six hundred thousand soldiers, ish, right, mm-hmm. and then they're supposed to everybody over the age of twenty. Well, the soldiers are ages twenty to fifty, mm-hmm. so. You got to figure that a good chunk of those people, ages twenty to fifty, are married, and some of them have kids. Then there's the elderly and everything. If you pile it all up together, what are we talking here? Two million, two and a half million total people, right. whatever. Well, all right. So when numbers starts off from Sinai, they get the count numbers, and six hundred thousand soldiers. I'm going to rough estimate here, or round numbers, I should say. And then at the end of the book, 
they get to the promised land, they're ready to enter. A new generation has grown up, and we are about the same number, about the six hundred thousand. That means, that means that ages twenty and above, Moses over forty years has presided over a million funerals. What's that like? Yeah, for God's yeah. leader, you know whether he personally is. But just I'm thinking to myself, mm-hmm. I've you've done funerals, I've done funerals. Mm-hmm. It, it tugs at your heart. I mean, you're thrilled to be able to proclaim the risen Lord in eternity and to be able to say, we have here a woman or a man of faith who died in the Lord, and you can bring comfort to the family, but you hurt for the folks who are there. And even in your own personal life, when dear people that you've known, uh, or it's maybe a, a child, or it could be someone younger, but all the funerals, there's there's an emotional drain. There's an emotional mm-hmm. uh, investment in the care and love of the family and in what's going on here. And Moses had to do that. I mean, yeah. you know, just think about that. You know, so now you're at what this is like, see? Mm-hmm. And now that means that when we get to the border of the promised land and we've gone through all these 40 years and we've done at the end of this, we've done the snake on the pole and the dying and the more rebellion. And okay, now we're, now we're positioned we had to go through all the misbehavior of, of you know, um, we get Balak, Balak the king to bring in Balaam and try to lead the Israelites away mm-hmm. from God. Well, God wouldn't desert them, but they deserted him. and all. Mm-hmm. So that's all. But now here we are. And Moses knows he's going to be toast. He's, he, this is it. So whether he's on a hill or however he's doing this, and this he gathers these people. This is another two and a half million, two million people. And 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 his, his tone, he's looking. You got to think about this. There isn't anybody in the crowd other than Joshua and Caleb over the age of 59. Mm-hmm. So these are the 20, 30, and 40-year-olds, some 50-year-olds, and kids and teens. This is that's, It's amazing to me that this is his crowd. Mm-hmm. And what kind of instruction and training did they get from their parents in the wilderness for 40 years as they were growing up and mm-hmm. being born, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, some, a lot, we hope, mm-hmm. but what is this? And so Moses, on his heart, having watched... Their parents and grandparents die mm-hmm. and doing all those funerals and now looking at the new generation and now he's going to launch and he enters into what I've labeled his swan song sermon, but his tone, mm-hmm. you know, when you and I are privileged to stand in a pulpit and preach and something like that, depends on what the, what the, what the Bible portion we're studying, we use the word text, you know, what, what that is. Yeah. We want to pick up its flavor and we want to deliver that. Yeah. This is what Mood, it means spirit, then yeah. and what it means for us now. Yeah. And there's there's joy or there's a call to repentance and there's God's forgiveness. And we take a look at God, what this means, you know, and we don't mind, you know, being stern when we have to preach the seriousness of sin and God's mm-hmm. consequences of the content we deserve and, and the thrill of God's forgiveness and smiling. But Moses is standing and looking at a generation, you know, and it's, I don't know how to describe it. You know, he's pleading. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got this. It's the tone has got to be, dear new generation, you kids, you teens, you 20, 30, 40 year olds, you new 50 year olds, you just don't forget your Lord. Don't do what your parents did. Don't fall away. Please hang on to your God. Remember your Lord. Remember your Lord. You could just almost in his voice, in his tears, in his eye, you know, he's just, he's launching into this impassioned plea stick with your god look at him look at him don't forget mm-hmm. you know 
Yeah. That's Deuteronomy to me. Yeah. It's I, all about that tone. Yeah, absolutely. It's New Testament-like in that sense <laughs> where you kind of have this application of what God has done. Yeah, like the second us. half of Ephesians. And bringing, it, right. bringing it to bear on, yeah. fully on people's lives. I'm presenting to you life and death. Do we get this? Do yeah. we get that? This is what yeah. this this is. Don't and he's die. not just doing it dryly, <laughs> yeah. like, okay, here's the facts, right. blah, blah, blah. It's, it's beautiful. His heart yeah. is just thumping with care for these people, and he's just pleading with this new generation to remain faithful. And that's mm-hmm. that's why the second giving of the law, Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. is so essential, because they were just little kiddos or not even born yet when it happened at Sinai. Mm-hmm. So there is, yes, there's repetition, which I used to think is, well, this is boring. You know, yeah. But if you can put yourself in Moses' sandals and then get yourself in the crowd listening, you get a read of Deuteronomy where there's a whole different feel here. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just, you have this gray-bearded 120-year-old man who's about to be called by God to heaven. God's going to bury him at the end of the book himself. His, mm-hmm. God's going to do the funeral. I mean, how cool mm-hmm. is that? Yeah. And there's nobody else, God says, like Moses, who saw God face to face. Not a human ever. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. Mm-hmm. And this is the guy that God is going to use as the mouthpiece of all those years of his own personal experience. Yeah. You know, 120 years in three different phases of his own personal life experience and dealing with these Israelites. And he's the leader. He's the administrator. He's God's spiritual guide for this this nation, this family. And now he wants to give his final word. Wow. I just, mm-hmm. did you ever think about this? No, maybe you're too young. But I, you know, I think what's well, what would be my last sermon like? You know, I don't think I could stand it because I'd probably start crying. So I probably, <laughs> I probably will have to just preach a regular one and then just maybe a month later just say, you know what? I think I'm done <laughs> and retire mm-hmm. and not have a final. Mm-hmm. Because I'm thinking if I ever did think about that, it would be, I, I'd like to talk about Jesus and just talk about, Here's the cross. But Moses is just, I don't know if I could pull it off, you know, like he does. Yeah. You know, with this plea, mm-hmm. with this tone. Uh, and then he's just forthright and honest about throughout the whole book. So, you know, you get the first few chapters. Let's review a little history here, mm-hmm. where we've been. So if you're in the podcast mode, you're going to listen to Deuteronomy. That's going to happen for two or three chapters. And then he starts going and there's going to be a review of the core of the law that God had given as a as a covenant relationship with the Israelites. We should talk a little bit about the word covenant in just a minute. Mm-hmm. And then as the book unfolds, here's an interesting thing to me, though, too, because we talk about structure, and I don't see a whole, other than this passion sermon. But how many chapters are there in Deuteronomy? 34. 34. Well, what's the middle? Well, 17 and 18, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. You know, what do you have in 17 and 18? Isn't it a reference to... What Moses says, God wants a king to be like if the day would come when the Israelites would have a king, another mm-hmm. another 450 years down the road. Yeah. And then right away in chapter 18 is what priests are to be like mm-hmm. and the what prophets. the great prophet promises. There will be one, a prophecy of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Well, then you start hearing, you know, prophet, priest, and king language in chapters 17 and 18. And although it's not specific, this is a reference to Jesus, but you do have that in chapter 18, yeah. you know, and so I can't help thinking about the Messiah's three-part role, the Christ's role as prophet, priest, and king. They're right mm-hmm. in the middle of the book. Mm-hmm. The highlight, you know, mm-hmm. the, the high point, just like mm-hmm. in a lot of Old Testament writing. It's just cool stuff. Well, these are good points because you're, you're not only... Can, if you can see a structure that's maybe 
it's somewhat imitating a covenant from the Hittites or something oh, whatever, like that. Yeah. Even if you did, it's sort of like Paul using the format of a letter. It doesn't. He, yeah. He's still it gonna, it's going to bleed Christian. It's going to mm-hmm. bleed Christianity and it, a rich theology, yes. and it's going to have its own flavor and mm-hmm. tweaks. And and so there, I think you can see a format and an outline that does mirror uh-huh. these other things, but yeah. it's gonna. You have a you have a sermon at the heart of it, and you have yeah. something that is. That is for the focus for God's people uh-huh. and the way they think about these laws and what where do we start right. when you think about these laws right. and you mentioned the historical part you know that we have in the beginning and it's just a walk it's a beautiful <laughs> walk down memory lane it's a it's a beautiful right. way that they go back and see where what God has done where this is what been. happened to your parents your grandparents how faithful God was and we've been unfaithful and it's just what kind of a God do we have there grace shows it grace upon grace we're uh-huh. standing on grace right now there here is. this yeah. is this is the real the reality of the moment yeah. Yeah. and that's just a really neat thing to come back to um, it's beautiful to have reviewed Egypt and the wilderness <laughs> and Sinai and just go back to all those places mm-hmm. like that is mm-hmm. something I think we all enjoy as we read it to say what does God's history with me now yep. mean today? Yeah, maybe let's take a, a little bit of side a road here and just play with this word covenant a little bit. Sure. It comes up all the time. It's in the New Testament. It's a, it's a word. It's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I like to talk about Deuteronomy in terms of God repeating the covenant relationship. So normally when you look it up in a dictionary, right, and we both know this, I, I'm sure all of our listeners on podcasts know this too, a covenant is a word that is typically used in English for a two-sided arrangement between two parties, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be. It might be a business transaction. It might, whatever it might be. It might mm-hmm. be a legal thing. It might be something to do with uh, politics or something. There's some kind of a two-sided arrangement. You know, it's like, I, w- I won't throw my pen at you if you don't throw your shoe at me. Mm-hmm. We're going to sort of agree. And both parties have some something to, to say about it and something to give their stipulations on each right. side. Yeah. But the Bible's unique in that it uses the word covenant in two ways. It does use it in this context with the Israelites as a two-sided arrangement between God and this special nation. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, then, it talks. It uses the word covenant as a one-sided promise. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're a Bible reader, you always have to be alert to that. The best way to see it is when you're in Jeremiah 31, where the old covenant with the Israelites is two-sided, and the new covenant is just simply a promise from God. I'm going to love you like crazy. Now, yeah. that business of God committing himself to a promise yeah. has been around way before they were Israelites. I mean, God made right. a promise to Noah about the earth and about his descendants eventually being blessed by this. And he made a promise to Abraham, one-sided. I'm just going to, mm-hmm. one of your descendants will be the great, bless all the nations and stuff like that. But that one-sided promise of a Savior that started back in Genesis and goes all the way, Genesis 3 goes all the way through, mm-hmm. then around it, if you can see like a line or a, or a cord or a, mm-hmm. something extended out horizontally, then all of a sudden at one point in history around it is a whole nother arrangement that God did to establish this special unique nation where it's two-sided, but it's only temporary. It's only for them and it's only until the Savior is born. Then yeah. that goes away. Mm-hmm. And then shooting out the other side of this, mm-hmm. I mean, if you, let's say you had this like string or a, or a cord and a bunch of cotton balls around it, it starts... And the cotton balls end. And the cord keeps shooting out the other side. Mm -hmm. So the one-sided promise of God is before this Israelite thing. And it shoots out the other side so that when we talk about the Lord's Supper, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is a one-sided promise. Yeah. 
anyway, that 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 probably is, I hope, helpful for people when you're reading the Deuteronomy thing. We're still in this this cotton ball time when God is going to surround the promise mm-hmm. one-sided with a two-sided thing. And then in that context, it makes sense that in Deuteronomy, Moses is going to, yes, repeat a lot of the things we had in Exodus Leviticus by the rules regulations. Yeah. He's going to go into that one chunk where he's going to review even the beautiful stuff about the uh, the festivals and, you know, their feasts that they have at three in the spring, three in the fall. And he's going to, you know, then even particular details of some laws that we had earlier, but he's going to add some other chunks in this mode of the relationship only with the Israelites and this pleading tone. He's saying to them as a dying man on the on the east side of the Jordan, you're going to get through the Jordan River, you're going to establish your homes, but I want you to get in the middle of the land on these two hills, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. They're three miles apart, a valley in between, right? Mm-hmm. And you have some tribes up on the on the north end and you have some tribes on the south end. And what's interesting to me is he's going to have six and six. And the Levites or their, their messengers, when they're in the land, they're all supposed to gather on these, you know, separate your nation in two halves, six tribes and six. And there will be blessings from one side, one mountain, and curses from Ebal is curses and Gerizim is blessings. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't that it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's unique? Did you ever take a look? I, I shouldn't put you on the spot for this, Pastor. It's not fair to you. But <laughs> I, I, if you're reading it, it's just interesting to me that the six tribes where the blessings are, are Simeon, Levi, and Judah, you know, the two murderers who are blessed by God to... Simeon gets absorbed kind of into Judah, and Levi gets to be worship leaders, and Judah is the one from whom the Savior will come. Mm-hmm. And then the Joseph Benjamin, the, the those are the favorites of Jacob, right? Mm-hmm. And only one of Leah's daughters. Remember, Jacob had the two wives, Rachel and Leah. Only one of his sons, I should not daughters. Mm-hmm. One of his, one of Leah's sons is on that side, and. Um, that's Issachar. But on the other side, where the curses are pronounced, it's the oldest and the youngest of Leah, Reuben and Zebulun. And then the other four tribes are the ones that came from the servant girls, Bilhah and Zilpah. You know, Rachel was jealous that she didn't have any kids yet, so here, Jacob, sleep with my servant girl. Mm-hmm. And then you get Dan Asher, then you get Gad Asher, and then Dan and Ethel. Get Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan... Asher, Gad, and Naphtali. Naphtali. Yeah. Gad, hmm. Asher, Dan, Naphtali. Gad, Asher, Dan, Naphtali. There we go. He said Dan and Asher. Sorry, that's my little brain stoppage there. So Bilhah, Rachel's servant, has those first two. And then that's the tribes on the curse side of them. I just think that's kind of mm-hmm. an interesting thing. On the blessing side, you know, you get Judah, right? Mm-hmm. And the Joseph Benjamin thing and, <laughs> and one of one of Le- Leah's. The mm-hmm. other ones are, you know, mm-hmm. it's just... Isn't that an interesting tidbit? I just think mm. that's kind of fascinating. Yeah, it's the cool. But again, yeah. it's the yeah. blessings and curses. This is what happens, pleading. If you follow the Lord God in this two-sided relationship and you obey, you're going to have blessings. But if you disobey, look out. Here's the curses. And so yeah. in the two, different from us, you know, we're in a sense always under the curse, but that Jesus took it on, so we're now always under blessing. It's a one-sided promise. I'm going to count your sins mm-hmm. not, not no more against you. Mm-hmm. We have the one-sided promise, but they had that two-sided arrangement, and it's clear. 
yeah. in Deuteronomy. Yeah. When you're up on these, later on, you know, they're supposed to be in the land and they get up on these mountains and yeah. hear the blessings and curses and wow. Yeah. There it's laid out. Yeah, I like that. Man, you know I, that your arrow through a cotton ball, or, you know, was a, is a good is a good visual. I was thinking also of uh, almost as the one, almost like a triangle. The one, oh, the one is broader; it's bigger, like mm-hmm. your arrow. You know, to one-sided promises of God to His people, mm-hmm. but then with that as a foundation, with that as as a known thing, God, mm-hmm. God is doing this for us by his, just by himself, by his promise, by his grace. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can build on that. These, this two sided while, while we're in this childlike phase of the yeah. Israelites, you know, Very before much we so. get closer, you have this way to teach them blessings and the blessings and curses yeah. of the two sided covenant. Yeah. And I think that's reflected in the way you, you start in Exodus 20 even by, I am the God who took you out of Egypt. Yes. And it promise bottom bottom of the triangle stuff. Just like you start Deuteronomy with mm-hmm. this awesome record of this is what God did, even though you didn't deserve it. This is what God did. And you have another, what, another chapter somewhere in Deuteronomy for um, the kind of the description for how or why God did not choose you. God yeah. chose you by, and this is the reason yeah. he didn't choose you yeah. for that. Didn't, like, yeah. you, know, you get that whole thing in chapter 9. And if you yeah. get to the land and you're starting having some crops and everything, yeah. don't pat yourself on the back. Yeah. This is not you. This isn't don't you. Don't say that I did this. No, no, yeah, no. Right. God did that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's Deuteronomy talk. Right, right. right. It's just, man. And you get that man. also, you know, uh, with that with that announcement in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, you know, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai yeah. Echad. You yeah. know, the... Maybe I said it too fast, but you know, in Hebrew, it, it comes out in English the same way. Listen up, Israel. Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel. The Lord, our God, the Lord, three, the Lord, our God, the Lord, is Echad, one. Mm-hmm. So there's the doctrine of the Trinity. And that Trinitarian phrase is present in all Jewish worship, even to this day, just like we start a service in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, um, even though they, uh, modern day um, Jewish folks, as I understand it, deny the Trinity, mm-hmm. but it's there. That's what it, that's what that line is for. And there is again that I like your uh, picture of the triangle, that bottom line foundational mm-hmm. stuff. Later on, when the Savior comes, the triangle collapses. You just have the bottom line. You have the foundation. That's the promise. Isn't it interesting that God treats us like mature people, mm-hmm. even though many times I'm immature in my faith, immature in my life, immature in my relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm spiritually mature in, in so many ways, and it's embarrassing and sinful, and i thankful I got a Savior. Mm-hmm. But but he treats us like we're mature, which is, he didn't treat the Israelites that way because they, they weren't, just mm-hmm. like we aren't. But he treated them like they actually are really spiritually immature, and they needed this extra set of rules and regulations to grow, just like kids we had talked about one time in your house and mine when they are little have more rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. But that's all part of the understanding, the tone and the flavor of Deuteronomy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you think of laws after laws after laws again, the repeating of the mm-hmm. laws of this covenant, all these stipulations that are put in front of God's people, and you start to, I don't know if people roll their eyes or whatever, they kind of breathe heavy like, oh, here we go again, another mm-hmm. batch, just like I heard in other books of the Bible, you know, re- repeating these laws. But you still have this gospel first. You know where do, where do these where do these fit? Your your living with these laws is not something that makes that makes your relationship with God in the first place. Right. It's well, more whole, reflective yeah. of it. You the know? whole dis, the whole deal with God with the Israelites was give them these laws so they're unique. Mm-hmm. 
and they're different from other people. They need to be. Otherwise, they're going to intermarry, and they'll just get absorbed into world culture, and they'll disappear. Mm -hmm. We'll lose the promise. No, you're unique. You're special. I chose you to be my own. Then we're going to get some extra rules and regulations to remind you you're a sinner, and you need a Savior. You need a Savior. And then we're going to have some rules and regulations that actually picture the Savior. So you're right. Even the regulations that have gone away, because it's only for that special Sinai covenant with the Israelites, Mm -hmm. and they don't apply to us, there is a reason for them because God wanted them to be this special nation to bring the save. And it's all for the promise, all for the savior coming. That's really what those extra rules are for. It's for them and for us to see he's got the plan of salvation. He's got the savior in mind. He's got our saving Mm -hmm. going to heaven in mind. That's, that's all headed that way. Yeah. And then you just fill this up with Moses tone. Yeah. I think it makes Deuteronomy a very fun read and a very. Of course, then it ends, you know, with Moses got to sing. You got to sing a little bit, Moses, don't you? And so there's poetry at the end, and then his death and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's the book, and I'm sure people, I I, I say hope and pray they're going to enjoy their read through this with the view of being a new generation Israelite listening to the pleading and the impassioned tone of Moses. Yeah. One of the ways I appreciate the. The ways the laws are are told by God mm-hmm. and told through Moses to the people, as he continues to relate it to your relationship with Him, you know it all. It's it's all intertwined with how mm-hmm. God sees it and God's perspective. And and yep. this is this is why this is detestable to me. Yeah. And these things like that it mm-hmm. draw you in that all. How many different aspects of life right. are brought up in these commands? Oh, right. Yeah. It's it's everything. Yeah. Everything that you're doing with your with your possessions and marriage yeah. and family and rebellious sons yeah. and murder you know all these cases that cover every aspect of life <laughs> and it's all related to the perspective of god that's and I, well said i like that, I like that you're, and we're just kind of identifying ways that the tone comes out mm-hmm. that sermon tone of encouragement from uh-huh. someone who loves you in the lord yeah and moses is god's mouthpiece here yeah mm-hmm. same thing for like how to coach people and reading reading God's word and mm-hmm. teaching the next generation and this role of putting people in the staying in the word of mm-hmm. God and following this yep. this word that's so significant mm-hmm. um, for people holding on to that word throughout their lives and yeah. not departing from it well said very pastoral <laughs> Yeah. Don't go to these idols. You know, this is what's going to happen. What is most dangerous to you that jeopardizes your faith? And what are the things that get in the way of love for your neighbor? Those are how New Testament-y are those, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, in a sense, yeah, the core the... principles are still carried forward forever. <clears throat> exactly. I am highlighting to you the things most threatening to your relationship with God and mm-hmm. your love for others. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see this in every chapter of this book. That's That's your tone. Yeah. And that, that picks up in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. of course, you know, because we would say that's all law, but mm-hmm. it really is with a tone like Moses where here's the stuff that's why the relationship with God matters. Yeah. This is how you're going to play it out in your life. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Hmm. Great. Well, I think we can probably polish this off there, I guess, and, and let readers discover other things for themselves, little right. nuances. But this is a good uh, setting the table for a reading of yeah. Deuteronomy, I hope. They uh, will, they will find, people. as they finish up the Torah, the Pentateuch, that everything Moses says in Deuteronomy is just like everything else. It is. Most this certainly is most certainly true. true. Yeah, you got it. We got the line in. <laughs> got to do it. <laughs> cool.